This is the TV Soup Podcast doing Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. Episodes 9 and 10 are tonight. They are Speak of the Devil and Nelson V. Murdoch on the Drink 5 Network. Hey, welcome back to the TV Suit Podcast. Your host, Jason, and myself, Dave. We are here tonight to present you with all of the glory that is Netflix's Daredevil. Uh, it's funny because the other night we were talking to one of our friends. He had come over to watch Game of Thrones and uh, asked him, you know, do you watch Daredevil? And what did he say, Jason? <laughs> he said, no, I watched 20 minutes of it. And it was terrible. So uh, this is a guy, and it's funny because I, I think you take like pretty good stock in the things that he watches, or, or at least yes, we have very uh, overlapping television tastes. So it, it's definitely something that we have learned that although a lot of people think it's really good TV, and and I tend to agree with that, I think that most of these episodes have been incredibly good TV watching experiences. There are still some people that just can't get into the material for whatever reason. And he thought that there was bad acting, etc. I, I just can't really get behind that. No, I urged him strongly to go back and give it more than 20 minutes of his time. I think, you know, you watch one full episode and you're going to be sold. Well, you know, outside influences often uh, play a large role on this kind of thing. And I know that since he was somewhat cemented in the Marvel Universe, I think from beforehand, he knew a little bit about stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. outside of uh, how they made these shows and movies, he may not have been super excited about watching this new iteration of something that had already been tried and not really well received by the public, uh, especially for a comic book hero like Daredevil that was never really one of the the biggest. Uh, right. He certainly wasn't one of the A-team, as you may call it. Um, but he did you know, have a very long run in comics, uh, he was popular in his day. Well, these comics are all still going. That's uh, a good point. I shouldn't speak of them as if they're in the past. And you should know out there listening that Jason and I aren't really big comic book aficionados. I probably read more than he did, and that's a very small amount. This is true. Although, interestingly enough, I learned over the weekend that my dad was a huge Daredevil comic fan. That's so he cool. knows all kinds of stuff. He was looking at the changes. like He was telling me that in the comic books, Foggy doesn't really... Learn Matt's identity. So episode nine, uh, which is called what, what's it, what's it called? Speak of the devil. Right. Uh, in the end of episode eight, we we see a banged up Matt Murdock going back to his home with all these cuts and bruises, um, and oh, I'm sorry, that's that's a different thing. No, that was at the end of episode nine. Yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's um, when he finds him because because uh, he has the really epic fight with Nobu. I keep confusing the uh, the episodes, <laughs> but yeah, in in episode ten, which we're, we're going to discuss both of those tonight, Foggy does end up finding out that that is his secret identity, and apparently in the comic books well, that happened, but it happened thirty years after the original series debuted. So a lot of those people, like your dad, that may have read the old comic books that probably don't keep up on the new ones. 
they would never have known that. And heck, reading 30 years of Daredevil is something I'm probably never going to do. No, I don't see myself going back and researching the you know comic backstory. But uh, now that we're talking about it, so episode 9, which is Speak of the Devil, it is, is going to uh, probably talk a lot about um, Daredevil himself. Right. And one of the cool things that we see in the show talking about Daredevil is is Matt going back to this church, which he revisits constantly in the series. And Uh just speaking about that a little bit, it's interesting to note that this show, as far as religious overtones, um, tends to have more than anything else in the Marvel Universe, even though Captain America, for example, uh, had a lot of those in the comic series that never came through. He's a good Christian boy. In the actual movies. Well, they don't really focus on that at all. Right. And a lot of those big movies, they don't want to piss anybody off. They're like, everybody needs to watch this. <laughs> so we're not going to do anything that seems a little bit you know, overboard. But Netflix will do whatever they want. And what's really cool, in my opinion, is that the Priest character is a, is a really well-rounded, kind of, uh, kind of neat character. Because he's not just impressing upon Matt you know, necessarily all of these godly things. He is a guy who's been around the block himself, from what I can gather, mm-hmm. and is is very demure and and subtle in in the way that he is, you know, trying to tell Matt that that he should keep on the uh, righteous path. Right. And Matt is constantly struggling, of course, because ever since he was, uh, uh, well, I guess as we learn in episode ten, ever since he. And Foggy decide to to leave the law company that they were going to be a part of, yeah, and instead Zachman and something right, and instead start their own venture. Then he has kind of felt opened up himself to be this alter ego, this guy who goes out and uh, is an avenger of those people that can't uh, do the things for themselves. Right. And Nelson, he's very pissed at him. He's for a very good reason, I think. And you know, it's it's his vigilante like streak in daredevil that isn't you know true with what he's trying to accomplish as a lawyer yes but let's let's keep that for just a little bit later um since that's the end of the next episode but you're totally right um so in the meantime we have this inner struggle with matt murdoch trying to figure out whether or not it's okay to be doing this at all whether or not it's okay to be uh grievously injuring people or killing people uh, for what he thinks is justice and is morally and ethically right. Right. And um, he still is trying to abide by his don't kill people, though, you know. Well, he, at this point in episode nine, has never killed anyone. And and so, at least that's what I'm inferring from the show. So he... That he knows of. He returns to the church to talk to the priest, like we talked about. And he's basically talking about killing Fisk as being the person that, that whose life he would take first. Sure, the person whom he would break that oath for. Right, that if, if he doesn't kill Fisk, then, then the whole city will be destroyed. That's how he looks at it, for sure. So, um, in this story we learn that Elena, I think that's her name, the, the older lady that that Karen and, uh, and yeah, Foggy... Yeah, Miss Cardenas. And Ben, Miss Cardenas, yeah. Uh, she... She was helping them in their case, etc. They were trying to battle Fisk in um, exactly what uh, Fisk was trying to do, which was sort of um, 
What was he trying to do with that land? Uh, they want to take over the tenement, you know, the apartment building. And so he offered her redevelop a big it. Yeah, they offer them a buyout, and she big... didn't want to take it, and she right. sided with the law agency. Right. And so what happens? She ends up getting stabbed and killed by okay. some junkie that was ordered to do that from you yeah. know Fisk or from some derivative of Fisk. He was paid to go, you know, make it look like a mugging. Yeah. But it was sort of an assassination. And and so, like has happened in previous episodes now as well, and, and it's probably likely to happen in the future, uh, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, kind of takes this bait that keeps being given to him from Fisk. <laughs> really is and, bait. It just follows along, you know, grabs a hold of it, and just gets taken by the string. So he goes to the uh, junkie's house, uh, or wherever he's living, and he... Uh, eventually leads him to this this crazy old warehouse where Nobu is waiting. And we know Nobu from the past episodes. Right. Uh, Fisk actually asked Nobu for a specialist, someone to come in and take out the man in the mask, as mm-hmm. they call him. Yep. As they call him. I love the way that Fisk talks, by the way, in the show. <laughs> you know, he <clears throat> sort of picked this very peculiar way of speaking, and it, it comes off as incredibly awkward, but... Vincent D'Onofrio is doing it so well that it works. Right. And so let's talk about the ninja for a little bit. The beginning of the episode starts off in this epic fight. Yes. And And that's kind of a cool place to start off. Yeah, and this show is no stranger to jumping around in the timeline. Uh, And instead of jumping back to flashbacks, they're just jumping around from, you know, uh, just a different part of the episode, really. A very, just a a couple hours delay. Uh, But it is a very exciting way to start a show. To start the show. Um, and I don't know what that weapon is that he was swinging around with like the two big blades on it that was on a chain so he could pull it back, but that thing was supremely badass. Matt should try and fight with something like that instead of a couple of sticks. <laughs> well, that that is one of those sort of comic book tropes, right, that the, the these guys like like Batman and maybe not so much Batman, but Daredevil and some other some other heroes of his like they fight with things that are very uh, basic to just further um, hammer in the fact that they're humble. Yeah, and that they the reason that they're winning these things is because they are like smarter and more trained and more prepared uh, and more athletic and uh, better, you know, for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. but it's great, I think, for the show to continually have Matt's ass get kicked. And that's exactly what happens here because, because you know that that this guy is is all the advantages he has compared to someone that has uh, you know the advantage of being able to see everything clearly. It it is definitely uh, there are some situations in which it would be difficult to think that he could conquer. You know, that is yeah. Right, and he puts up a pretty good fight against Nobu, but one of the differences is that Matt is trying to defeat Nobu, but Nobu is just trying to kill Matt. So he has a much clearer purpose, and I think that maybe Matt uh, could have put himself in a situation where he could maybe finish him off if he was willing to kill him, but <laughs> you know that holds him back a little bit. And Matt, he does get his ass kicked in this fight, and he gets lucky at the end. Yeah, that's true. 
So, uh, so what happens is Fist comes comes out and uh, and he expects basically Nobu to either be finishing him or him to be finishing Nobu. Either way, he he would have ended up killing the the, the victor. Right, whoever's uh, left. And what happens is, um, at the very end of the fight, Matt ends up. Uh, they, well, they they end up slashing through this barrel that's full of gasoline. Of course, it's full of gasoline. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. And or or something that's uh, you know that's flammable. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know exactly. It didn't, it didn't say gasoline on it. It wasn't like a uh, wily e. coyote. I think that there was a flammable sticker. Okay. So that's you know that's enough. And and so he ends up throwing one of his uh, sticks, one of his batons, whatever you want to call them. Um, up at the rafters where there's a light, and that light then showers sparks, and they cascade down on the gasoline, which lights Nobu on fire. And, of course, Nobu, being the ninja that he is, uh, is not worried about his own life, but instead just charges into Matt. However, he is able to, you know, repel away from him, and he just sort of burns alive there. Yeah, that's essentially what happens to Nobu. That's his fate, is to just sit there and burn. Even, you know... uh, Fisk, given the opportunity to put him out of his misery, or alternatively try and help him, just says, no, leave him there, let him burn. In one of the situations that I find awkward on the show, and there aren't that many, uh, but of course there are holes in anything, I I do feel like um, when Wilson Fisk kind of gives the order to Wesley to just shoot Daredevil, he should have just shot him. Uh, but there was sort of a pause, and uh, right. they gave him he the opportunity. He starts walking away, yeah, he had enough time to throw <laughs> the stick at the gun. And just jump out the window. But, you know, just like surviving the fight with Nobu, he gets away because it's a story and he's the main character. There are going to be moments like that. As real as this, you know, specific part of the universe feels, uh, there's still going to be those moments where, you know, the hero has to get away because the hero is the hero. Well, let's let's be real. Based on the senses that uh, the Daredevil has, and we'll get more into those in a moment, but he knows that, that Wesley's there. He knows that Fisk is there. He knows that Wesley has a gun, and he knows that Fisk asked him to kill him. Mm-hmm. So he knows all those things. Uh, it's just it's just hard to hard to believe that he could counteract those movements before they happen. However, based on you know how Daredevil is able to perceive the the world around him, I suppose he could have sensed an increased heartbeat in Wesley. He could have uh, sensed, you know, the, the the tendons in a finger clenching. Could have heard the gun being raised. So he probably knows more about the situation than anyone there looking around does. He probably gets in even, you know, early in the next episode, in episode 10, when he's talking to Foggy, like when Foggy says, can you really, are you really blind? He's like, you know, his answer isn't, yes, I'm really blind. It's, well, I sort of, you know, have a manner of perceiving things. Well, let's, let's. Talk about that, then. Let's go right into this. So the next episode, which is episode 10, uh, and it's called... Nelson v. Murdoch. Right, which is great, of course, considering they're both a member of this law firm. I Nelson see what you did there. and Murdoch. <laughs> now they're sort of uh, at odds with each other. And, of course, we'll tell you why. Uh, if you haven't seen the episode, you should go out and see it right now, though. You should not Spoiler be... Spoiler alert. <laughs> you should not be getting the recap here from, from this particular show. That's... I mean, I'm it's not a poor gonna, way to experience the show. I'm not going to kick people out of bed for spilled crackers, but you should go watch the show. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, uh, after Foggy is uh, he's sort of drunk 
and and he's mourning the death of Miss Cardenas, and he's sad for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that that was the case they were working on that was a very important case to both of them. Right. Uh, and, of course, Foggy and Karen have both been suspicious this whole time over the entire course of the series because oftentimes Matt won't go with them for a drink, won't go with them to do whatever. And I'm sure that Foggy realizes, and there's a lot of flashbacks here in this episode, by the way, going back yeah. to their college days and, and afterwards. And their internship days. And so he knows that, that Matt and him have a close relationship. They went out for drinks. They used to hang out all the time. And then after they started their own firm, he's sort of inched more and more away from him. And there, there must be something else going on. So even, right. though, even though Foggy is a, a very clear-headed individual, and by that I mean there's nothing inside of there. So there's, you mean he's not really Foggy? There's nothing in that head, really? <laughs> no, I mean, he's I like... He's smart enough to be a lawyer, at least. I, Look, there's a lot of people that are smart enough to be lawyers that are not necessarily intelligent people. The, the ability to, to do repetitive work and to problem solve and be intelligent are different things. This is true. Um, but, but let's say, you know, you're correct in saying that he was smart enough to be a lawyer. He obviously was, uh, you know, there was some reason why Matt is friends with him. Uh, so he must have redeeming qualities. And we see them. He, he takes care of people. He, uh, he looks over people like Karen he's very fond of, for example. Yeah. Uh, he protects her, uh, kind of stalks her a little bit, which is awkward. Yeah. But, I mean, thank God he did, or else he would have gotten her ass beaten or it's, be killed. It's helpful non-creepy stalking. <laughs> but, yeah, when you think about Matt, he doesn't have many close relationships with anybody. You know, his father is dead. He doesn't have any other family. Well, his close relationships were with Stick and now with, with Claire. And it, with Stick, it you know didn't last that long. We don't know exactly how long it lasted, do we? I, well, they said you know they, they showed when he left, and then Matt says you were gone for twenty years. So he left when he was like you know eleven, maybe. Like, well, I what can't I'm saying is he had we don't know how long it was six to twelve from, months from the orphanage to when he actually left. I can't imagine it was more than like six to twelve months because he was still a little kid. Like well, he was still he didn't they didn't show him growing at all. Well, granted, but this is where he got trained, so I'm right. I, I it's don't where know. it started for sure. I want to say it was probably a little longer, but you know maybe Stick only needs six to twelve months to train people to be killers. Well, uh, Foggy actually brings it up. He's like, so even after Stick left, you kept training for this. Like you knew one day you would be this person. You know, it's amazing the way that they're able to take an episode like this and look at it from the perspective of the guy whose perspective you would most want to see. Uh, and they're asking all of the almost real-to-life questions. And Matt, like, he really has no answer for any of this stuff. Well, he does. He tells him exactly what the reasons are. But before we talk about that, I just want to go back a little bit to the beginning of the episode where, you know, Foggy is talking to him about... Uh, well, how can you be this masked guy, right? This vigilante, this uh, daredevil, although that's not what he's known as yet. Right. Um, if you're blind, right? And, and so I think what we do see there is that um, is that he is able to see in some capacity. It's sort of mentioned multiple times in the episode and in previous episodes. Um, and I think that's because of the fact that his senses are heightened. And so... That's also what Matt says, that his senses were heightened. And then again, when they're right. doing a uh, flashback to their college days and, and they're sort of drunk and they're coming out of the, uh, of the bar. And that's one of the funniest scenes in the whole show just because 
talking about, you know, being a successful like uh, avocado agency. <laughs> right, avocados. It, it's good stuff. <laughs> I think they do a really good job with a little bit of a comic element because you have to. And and when you make good jokes like that, like really funny stuff, especially these drunk scenes, they they balance very well. They they kick off of you know the very serious ones very well. And because all we're looking for after all this drama and seriousness is is sometimes a little bit of a laugh. And Foggy is good comic relief in this show. Yeah. And in a good way. But but even during that conversation, uh, Matt almost lets it slip that he, he's almost saying, like, because his senses are better than everyone else's, um, et cetera. And, and yeah. that does make me think that, you know, that this is not just because he's blind. There, there's something else there to me. It makes it seem that way to me. He would say, uh, when I was a boy, before my senses were heightened, you know, uh, that's not just every blind person can go out and kick ass and catch things that are thrown at them. That's true. This this seems to me to indicate that there is something that he gained, uh, you, you know, after this when accident. When he became blind? Yes. That, Interesting. That wasn't there previously. Yeah, I mean, Stick alludes to that as well. That because he's blind, that's why he can uh, perceive the world so much more. Sure, but now he's actually talking about these, this time that his senses were heightened. And he talks about a specific moment, right. not, not like over time, a specific moment. Like he could see the change. That's what he's talking about. He said, he said after the accident, right. you, know, it, you know... Well, that is when he went blind. Yeah, but it wasn't after years and years after the accident, learning to adapt your senses. It seems it right like after the he's accident. talking about right after the accident, my yeah. senses were heightened. Yeah. So, so I do think that there is some kind of uh, of sort of ability here that is beyond the normal, and it's kind of cool to think that Daredevil maybe can see in some sense, even if it's, it's the world really on fire. Basic. That's how he said. That's how he describes it. But you know, in, in this is not a podcast about uh, blindness, etc. And I am not a scientist, but I do know this: that, that not a scientist. No, I'm not. Unfortunately, that a, a lot of people that are blind, uh, you know. To be blind is to be uh, to have vision that is worse than a certain, per, uh, not percentage, right? But a certain power, a certain threshold, and so, so not th- all people are completely blind. There are plenty of people that exist somewhere between blind and not blind, right? Uh, well, no, th- that exists somewhere between <laughs> between blind and being able to see things, right? Uh, people who can still see shapes and shadows and yeah. colors, and you know, can sometimes focus on close things, right? So, so I think basically we, we are to, led to believe that either, uh, that either Matt is using all of his other senses that were heightened somehow to create a, some kind of semblance of vision that he's able to go by, right, like, or he is not completely blind and he can just see slightly and adds to that from his heightened senses. I think his traditional sight is totally gone and what he is able to do is kind of create a uh sense of what the world around him is through smelling things and knowing what those things smell like and he did get to see for 10 years so he knows what things look like uh so he can kind of fill it in spatially um but i mean well we saw we saw like in that episode when he was um, what was he looking at? at Claire? Is that what it was? Where, where he was talking about World on Fire? Uh huh. Um, so we saw what we are to perceive his vision to be like from right. from his eyes. 
Now, something like that where you can actually see the shape of someone, uh, it kind of makes me think that he can maybe see... Slightly. It's almost like Matrix-style viewing when, when Neo sees the Matrix at the very end. In code? Well, with instead of in code, it's like the kind of fiery... But it's it's that sort of like sort of abstract, uh, you know, look at what actually is there in the physical world. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, an interesting episode indeed. Uh, of course, they have this whole thing that goes throughout the the beginning to the end, more you know framing, and that's with uh, that's with uh, Matt and Foggy. Right. How, however, there is a lot also with Wilson Fisk. And first, Fisk is meeting with, um, yeah, I forget her name. Gao. Mrs. Gao. Or Miss Gao. Madame Gao. Madame Gao. Madame Gao. Derp. <laughs> uh, the woman who can speak every language. And yeah, we, we had an interesting discussion where, like, we don't know who really has powers here. And, like, maybe some people have powers. Well, this is the superhero universe. This right. is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So... I, I know originally, like, th- these people being supervillains or superheroes, there are powers. But like you said, we don't we don't know if they really are that way or if they're going to not bring them in. Or But, but at some point, we're going to see people that have superpowers because we already know that they exist in the universe. Right. So That's inevitable. It's a Marvel Cinematic Universe entity there is bound to be people with superpowers i still think it's really fun that and we're we're watching this without having written the, or written uh read the comics so we don't know like which of these characters are supposed to be uh you know which of those comic book villains or heroes right like it, things that are made up just for the tv show or things that have a long backstory already right so uh, i don't know i'm excited i think like obviously wilson fisk has to be one of those people that has a large backstory already well, he does, uh, and and you know we we talked about this earlier. Him being cast as this character Kingpin, um, he was one of the main um, villains in the movie, which I I saw as well. But I don't really know much about the comic backstory. I'm I'm trying not to look into any of that though, yeah. for the most part. Um, so we have Wilson who is developing this relationship with Vanessa. And we talked about this in the last TV Soup podcast covering Daredevil's episode uh, 7 and 8. And in those episodes, uh, he reveals his whole backstory, like the terrible things that he had done um, to his father because of what his father had done to him and to his mother. And that's kind of what made him what he is today. And that's what we're assuming. I mean, I'm sure there's more things between very haunting when, episode. when you're 10 and when you're 50. Yeah. But that's what we're seeing. Well, there's obviously more to it, which yeah. we learn at the very end of episode uh, 10. Uh, sure. I mean, the pre-existing character that, that brings up old... Uh, exactly. Up old spider <laughs> webs. Uh, and so uh, he goes to visit Madame Gao, and she basically in her long-winded way, threatens the existence of his girlfriend because she thinks that uh, something that is good in his life will upset the balance uh, of, of what he was originally trying to do, which was to take over things and to be... Uh, is to to be, complete like, his vision for the city. Well, whatever this like whatever criminal mastermind. Be. It was it was a bad thing. It was shadows. Right. She right. brings up shadows and light. You know, I I still don't know that Vanessa is like a great 
wonderful shining beacon of a, of light character. I, I agree. But for the most part, at least for the time being, what happens later is is that they're at this big party, this like benefit ball, uh-huh. and someone has poisoned all of the drinks, all the champagne. Right. And so, of course, she takes a sip and she froze at the mouth like everyone else and looks like she dies. Now, we don't know that she's died. Because, we don't know that they die. Yet. Because as we know in all these TV series or, or movies, the until we see them in the ground, <laughs> and sometimes not even that, they are not yet dead. You need a dead. funeral, a proper funeral. But I'm thinking Madame Gao went through exactly what she said she was going to do. Uh, oh, so you think it was Gao who did that? Well, so... Also, Owsley uh, was told by Wilson Fisk to go take care of it with her to smooth the waters right? in a not-so-subtle way. He's like, just go talk to her. Uh, Owsley is a very matter-of-fact kind of guy. Well, He's like, look, I'm the money guy. I know what you're doing. Let's but, just but Owsley and Jow have probably been around a lot longer than Fisk has. I would think so. Fisk seems like a newer player. And now that everyone knows that, that Fisk is just basically slowly plotting against every single person he's working with, they're going to start plotting against him. It makes sense that maybe Owsley and Gao are plotting against him. Or well, maybe maybe just Gao. Maybe maybe Owsley other characters. had the champagne in his hand, but he like dropped it out of shock. Like, oh shit, I need to not drink this. You're like, right. Maybe he knew what was happening. Or maybe he didn't. They, they bring it. It's very ambiguous. He may... He, he I think he realized what was happening. Whether he knew from previous information he had secretly garnered or well if i was um, in the middle just deduced what was happening if i was in the middle of like the secret criminal organization i would probably always wait until other people drank the liquids <laughs> that's a good point and ate the foods you know what i mean i would become like one of those uh medieval kings that employed a taster and I'd be like i you try it and wait five minutes and then i'll try it <laughs> then i'll have it i don't want to end up like joffrey you know yeah <laughs> But, but it is a very pivotal moment because uh, Fisk has basically just revealed his whole world to this woman uh, and opened himself up. And if she passes away, if she's dead after this episode, then it's very definitely the catalyst that turns Fisk from uh, someone who is uh, a terrible counterpart to someone that could be a supervillain. Ah, yeah, that's very true. It could have destroyed his life. The only person he ever... Uh, invested like information in from his childhood was killed because of uh, you know like like these people that work almost with him. Yeah. So it it would make you want to lash out. I'm assuming he's not going to come a, become a better person because of this incident. Certainly, <laughs> that's true. He's not going to look at it as oh uh, everything I'm doing is wrong. I should really shape up. Yeah. <laughs> this never happens. And uh, and and Ben, uh, un- unfortunately for him, uh, his his wife is having serious problems in the hospital, and she is basically undergoing now what like dementia or Alzheimer's or it, something. Yeah, it seems almost like Memento, where like you forget everything that happened every like five ten minutes. Well, Memento's backwards. Well, it's a little okay. That's well, it's it's, it's Memento in reverse, which well, is forwards. Sure. <laughs> well, it seems Alzheimer'sy to me, but I mean, it yeah, could, yeah. could be a brain disorder of any kind. And Karen, but it was probably I, I think they sort of imply that it happened after like all of the events of New York. So it was a traumatic experience, you know, experience that caused it, not just old age. 
Certainly possible. I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think they ever said, but I that was sort of the vibe that I picked up. Yeah. Uh, and so Karen takes him on this long road trip and it looks like Ben can't really afford to keep his wife somewhere. So he was going to retire from this whole thing, step out, you know, uh, you know, back into his, his life in the shadows and not trying to bring anything to light. And Karen's like, well, I kind of need you, you know? So, yeah. So she does a road trip and takes him all the way to, uh, it looks like a pretty far drive. Right. This sort of old-timey senior folks' home, and it's very nice in there. It's like a nice upstate place. And they go on a little tour, and, and she leads him to the room where Wilson Fisk's mother is. And we had heard previously that uh, when they were trying to track Wilson Fisk's upbringing that he was sent to live with relatives after his father disappeared, skipped town, is the official, uh, you know, way of looking at it, but uh, that his mother had died a year later. Right, and she's alive. So, yes, the fact that she's alive and, according to her, have been provided for by Wilson. Well, of course. That would, you know, there's obviously more going on there. I, you know, maybe. I, but she's the one that, that covered up the whole thing and, and disposed yeah. of the body in the river. And Well, he didn't help her fake her death or anything, like, one year after all that. That must have been her. No, he's he's always going to be indebted to to her and, and trying to care for her because, uh, you know, she didn't necessarily do anything wrong to him. It was... It was them versus his dad. It was just the guy that she had brought into that relationship. Yeah. And I suppose you could look at it as doing something wrong or not, depending on your perspective. But regardless, it looks like Wilson Fisk visits her all the time. And this is something that no one was aware of. So basically, Karen took him all the way out here uh, under the guise of somewhere to to put his wife to find another clue in the puzzle. And only for really for her and not for him. Right. Well, you know, you never know what you're going to turn up, I suppose. Well, obviously, it could be beneficial. she lied to him. Straight up lied because she said, you know, yes. let's, let's go out to this but place. But she to- was being, I mean, the whole time you could kind of tell that she had like an ulterior motive. He couldn't tell. Well, he was in a very fragile state. We knew that. She was taking advantage of that. You're right. We only knew that because we knew that she, well, we thought that she didn't have any like connection to this place or... To Ben's wife or anything like that. We didn't know that she was taking us there to see Wilson Fisk's mom. Yeah. So how does she know that that's Wilson Fisk's mom and that, and he's and she's there? Well, she did some sort of digging off camera. I mean, I have no idea how she would have been able to find that. But So I don't think we've seen that on the show yet. So I'm, Good detective I'm, work. I'm sure Karen. they'll reveal that information later. But how she's able to figure that out will probably lead us down a different road. And she does uh, keep giving us hints on the way there, not only about uh, Wilson Fisk and Wilson Fisk's mom, but also about herself, uh, saying in the car ride that, you know, everyone keeps secrets, et cetera, et cetera. But we've always known that her character has secrets that aren't being told. And I just don't know what those are yet. Uh, it's not necessarily nefarious, but maybe connections she has, or maybe uh, things that she's done, or people she knows. Mm-hmm. Not really sure. And uh, this this whole thing kind of wraps up uh, by going back to the relationship between Foggy and Matt. 
where uh, it, it seems as though, and I was talking to uh, to my girlfriend earlier tonight about the ending, and my perspective is is just that you know Foggy seemed to get all of his uh, moral foundation, uh, and and a lot of his decisions were based on things that Matt would suggest or um, Matt wanted to do, um, and he always seemed like the guy that was more ethical or the guy that guided them in the direction and. Yeah. Um, because Foggy now knows that, that this guy who, who he thought was so, uh, upstanding and he based his own standards, which are pretty high now, uh, you know, trying to help the less fortunate, et cetera. Uh-huh. He's really getting pretty gung ho about that. Um, it's definitely a big deal to Foggy. It's the opposite almost for, for Matt because he has no problem and in fact, wants to continue to go out and break laws in order to do things and, and dispense justice in his own way, and and that is yeah. something that's a deal breaker for Foggy at this moment, and perhaps going forward, um, we don't know. Uh, but it's a very dramatic scene where he just kind of goes off, and back to the office, packing up his things, throwing the sign that he just previously. Uh, you know, so proudly bought in in a previous episode into the garbage, and is just walking out on the whole practice. And so these guys were friends for so long, but held this big secret, you know, uh, between them. Yeah, and that's really you know where he sees the betrayal. And Matt, you know, in his own way, you got to feel bad for him. But obviously, he brought this all upon himself. Uh, but that's like the. One of the most important people in his life, you know, he's he's really been betraying everyone in his life, uh, never telling anybody about it other than Claire, who discovered it. You know, he had no choice but to explain it to her. He seems to only, you know, he's only going to do that to people who uh, he has no choice but to explain it to them. He even got Foggy to lie to, lie to Karen about it. Well, like all superheroes um, or all people of um, of notable something, you know, they their talents get revealed and yeah, and they it's inevitable. they get revealed uh, <laughs> you know occasionally to to other characters in in the play and that's what's happening right now so it's cool that it's all being unveiled in season 1 and i know we're kind of approaching the end of season 1 because it only has 13 episodes which means that next episode of tv soup will be going over uh episodes 11 and 12 right and then we'll have the season finale yeah, we'll just do one episode for the season finale, and just one week for that. So it's going to be hard to watch the next two episodes and then not be able to go and watch the final episode. Well, I'm sure you can. It's going to take it. some uh, self control. So, uh, do you see them reconciling their relationship uh, over the next three episodes? Do you see there being something huge here with Wilson Fisk's mom? Um, and I guess lastly. Um, do you think that the Nelson and Murdoch firm is still able to go on over the next episode or two, which I'm assuming is going to be without Foggy because it's just Murdoch? Yeah, I mean... Who isn't even like around? <laughs> well, I don't think that he would change the name if Foggy were to just leave forever. I think he would still keep the name Nelson and Murdoch. Well, how how do they get back on good terms? How could he possibly turn this around? Uh, well... He would have to like save his life or something. Look, I think that... Uh, He'll find a way to convince Foggy that uh, they can be friends about this, that uh, he can keep doing this, or he's going to lie to him and say that he's going to stop doing it and then not stop. 
Um, but he gets beat up so damn much that I don't know how he can hide it. You know, he sort of blames it on running into things and stuff like that, but that that won't work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty much impossible. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to some answers. I'm sure you guys are too. And so we will join you next time, and hopefully you join us as well here on the TV Soup Podcast on the Drink 5 Network. And as always, uh, please visit drink5.com, which is the home of all these articles, all these podcasts. Uh, in addition to doing TV Soup, we also do the Retro Spectacle Podcast, which is a topical podcast covering whatever we're passionate about that particular week, uh, as well as the Fantasy Football Podcast mainly during the months of, let's say, August through December, which is football season. And if you're into fantasy football, well, you've reached the right place. So check out our stuff there. Twitter.com slash drink5 and fantasy, or I'm sorry, uh, I'm just fantasy football on the mind. Uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash drink5 network. Follow us on iTunes and Stitcher under drink5 network. And we will be around for quite a while so uh when we're available on tuesdays at 9 p.m and afterwards you can always feel free to join us on mixler.com slash drink five in the chat room and if you have your own thoughts and opinions which i hope you do and you're not just a robot race out there yes share them with us please share them with us all right cheers buddy cheers <laughs>